having a good one wherever you are listening to this podcast too. I am Patrick Stoll at Stoll underscore P alongside my usual co-host Tim Fontenot, Tim underscore Fontenot on Twitter. We're going to put aside all of the uh, interesting, to say the least, AC Milan news uh, for the time being. All that financial stuff, all the transfers, contract extensions. We're going to put that to the side for a second. This is the Devil Wears Rossonero World Cup edition. We are officially under 10 days to the World Cup. Needless to say, we're all pretty excited. So uh, what we're going to do is we are going to go group by group, and then we're going to go knockout stages and go all the way up to who we think is going to win the tournament. We're also going to talk about a couple of the AC Milan players who are in the World Cup on international duty so that if you are like me and you have no rooting interest because both Italy and the United States missed the whole thing, you have someone to root for like me. This is this is how I am deciding who I am rooting for uh, plus Iceland. So without further ado, I'll bring in uh, my co-host, Tim Fontenot. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Patrick. I'm doing pretty good. You know, excited about the World Cup, but at the same time, still not over the fact that the U.S. won't be there. Italy won't be there. But, you know, as a as a Milan fan, as a Serie A fan, well, I guess Serie A doesn't really count anymore, does it, because of Italy, and an Orlando City fan, I've got some rooting interest, and you know what? The World Cup's the World Cup. So... There's only 32 teams that can make it, so someone's got to miss out. It's still the greatest sporting competition in the world. The closer we get and the more we talk about it, the more excited I get, uh, even though you know my two teams missed it. So uh, I you know, obviously had a little bit of a, what do you call it, an identity crisis? Kind of like, what am I going to do? Like, How, how am I going to watch the World <laughs> Cup without a team? I know what you mean. Like, what is going on? I did a deep dive because, you know, you st- like I root for Italy because I'm half Italian and I'm a huge Milan fan. And I mean, if I'm deep diving in my ancestry, I'm French Canadian, also the other half. So obviously Canada was nowhere near this, but then that traces back to France. And if I'm going based on ancestry, I guess I can pick a worse team to root for than France. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty solid. The thing for me is. Part of my family is Irish. If you see a picture of me, that is not surprising. And like my other part of the family goes back to Germany. Uh, Stoll is German. So if I, you know, Ireland missed it because of course they did. I was going to, I was going to go all in on Ireland, but uh, nope. (laughs) And so I, you know, if I, if I go all the way back, I have Germany, which Again, there are worse teams to root for in the World Cup than Germany. That's actually uh, oh, absolutely. one of the better choices. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll get into the AC Milan players. Uh, let's just start with the AC Milan players who will be representing their countries, uh, and then we'll go group by group. So, um, and there is also an article on our site, uh, acmilan.theoffside.com, um, if you aren't there already. Uh, with a breakdown of all of AC Milan's players in the World Cup, kind of uh, an AC Milan fan's guide to the World Cup. So you have eight players, and this includes three that I did not originally, like it didn't occur to me at first 
So I'll start with Argentina. Just I'll try and go alphabetical order. You have Lucas Bilia. It could have also included Matteo Musacchio. He had some call-ups as well, but obviously he pretty much didn't play at all um, for the last season. So you have Bilia in Group D uh, for Argentina. On one hand, you have Bilia. On the other side, Paulo Dybala is on the team. And for a third angle, uh, if you're looking for one, um, they did not bring Mauro Icardi. So that's a big plus. Like, I feel far more comfortable pulling for Argentina, of course, with Leo Messi. But I, I feel a lot better rooting for Lucas Bilia since Icardi isn't there. Yeah, I mean, of course, the Inter hater in all of us will enjoy seeing Inter's best player left off his World Cup squad. But stepping away, I was still kind of baffled by the fact that Icardi's not going to the World Cup Absolutely. the way he played this season. I mean, yeah, all the stuff that's coming out about how he fits into the team and, oh, like, this is this is Messi's team and it's Messi's club that gets in. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to me. Obviously, they have their reasons, but... The World Cup without a Cardi seems weird. Not as weird as Nangolin, but that's a... Don't get me started. It's it's weird just because of his consistent level of production. Right. Like, he scores so much. And I get it. You have Higuain, and you have Dybala, and you have Aguero. I get it. But, I don't know. Looking at the roster, I find it surprising that you couldn't have fit a Cardi in there. But... I'm all right with that, so move. <laughs> I'm all right. No skin off my nose. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> I am not the one who slept with my teammate's wife, so. Boom. Uh, this is a Maxi Lopez fan club right here. This is a anyone but Mauro Icardi fan club. If you, if you said, who is your least favorite player on the face of the planet? It is Mauro Icardi. Not only because he plays for Inter, but because everything just wrapped into one. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to not see him. At the World Cup. I think when I tweet this link out when this podcast goes live, I'm going to have to find the gif from last season of the year before of Mauro Cardi going through the handshake line before a game against Sampdoria and Maxi Lopez just like, nah, no, get away from me. I mean, that's, I I got started now. That was just one of the greatest Serie A moments of the last five, ten years. It's out of control because the thing is everyone knows about it. Like it's not it's not like it's a secret. Like if you say a cardi, everyone knows what you're talking about. So I mean I keep whenever I hear transfer rumors of oh someone wants Mario Cardi, I'm like, yes, get him out of Serie A so yeah. he can stop yeah. scoring goals on my club. But moving on, you have Colombia who has two players. One of them is Christian Zapata. Um and you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Zapata. I I am a little more now just because he doesn't play as much. So he's not as much of a liability. <laughs> Obviously, I will always remember him for Zapata 97. But there's him and there's Carlos Baca, uh, who is technically still a Milan player because uh, although he wants to return to Villarreal, ownership management is asking for a little too much money for him right now. So he has not been sold. So he is technically still a Milan player. Um, is he going to start in front of Falcao? No, he's not. But Carlos Baca is also making the trip to Russia. He has been included in the final roster. And uh, that is in Group H. So 
if you're pulling for a South American team, I might lean towards Colombia over Argentina. Now, if I'm trying to get a better team, that might not be the way I go. But, you know, you also have James Rodriguez. I think he's a pretty likable player. Falcao, who's rumored to be going to AC Milan, or he's been linked, or his name has been mentioned in the same sentence, you know, that kind of thing, since it's silly season. (laughs) You know, Colombia is an option in case you're looking for one of those teams, or if you have no other dog in the fight in a very strange group age, which we'll get to soon. It's 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 always funny because Zapata goes into like superhuman mode when he plays for Colombia. It's the weirdest thing. Like I remember uh what was the Copa Centenario a couple years ago, he was their captain there too. Maybe I'm thinking I might be thinking wrong, but maybe that was Mario Yepes, another Milan legend. Well, I remember when he would play next to Yepes and he would play so well. Yeah. Like he he's just so good for Colombia and then you would see him from a line just like what is going on? Yeah, exactly. What is happening? <laughs> like are you all right? Going down the list, you know, you have Croatia who has new signing Ivan Strinic uh, as well as Nikola Kalinic. And, yeah, so obviously Croatia have pretty nice jerseys. Uh they always do and they have a pretty sick midfield. Kovacic Modric, among others. Croatia is pretty stacked in the midfield, but then going forward, Kajanic is one of the options, and it's another case of he doesn't play badly for Croatia. Um, Maybe it's because he cares more for Croatia. Maybe Maybe he just gets better service from the midfield, which is a legitimate possibility. But Croatia is in Argentina's group, so... If you're going to have either Lucas Bilia in Argentina, which includes Paulo Dybala, or Croatia, which includes Kajanic, you know, I am willing to put aside my dislike for how poor Kajanic played. Like, if he plays well for Croatia, I'll be happy, because hopefully that bumps up his stock enough so that we can sell him to some lower half of the table EPL club or something, or Syria Club, for that matter. Um, so you have Croatia with Kajanic, which is a conflict. There's a few conflicts with Croatia, because, I mean, you can take the route of rooting for Strenic or hoping Kalinic can rep the club well. For me, the other one, I I see that Vedran Chorluka made the squad, and I can't believe he's only 32. I thought he was, like, 45, 48. I mean, Chorluka was uh, him and Modric, and... Nico Kranjar, who obviously is no longer in the picture. I mean, when the three of them were playing for Tottenham together, I thought Croatia was the greatest thing in the world. I loved watching them play. So there's reasons to enjoy this team, but then there's the Ivan Perisic angle. There's Marcelo Brozovic. There's Mario Mandzukic, Marco Piaka. I mean, these guys that you don't want to see. Kovacic used to be inter. Yep, exactly. Um, Milan Badelj is a guy who's been linked to Milan from time to time. So maybe that's someone that you can get excited about. I mean, he's, uh, he's getting up there in age as a midfielder. He's 29, but you know, maybe he comes in as one of those cheap options. Cause Milan's not exactly loaded with cash right now. So, well, apparently we don't have any. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Lee. <laughs> that's yep. Thanks. Young Hong Lee. Um, 
But yeah, I actually completely forgot, like I forget about Ivan Perisic all the time. What I will not forget is his haircut when he had the like Croatian checkers on the side oh, of his yeah. head. That was yeah. pretty cool. That's yeah, That was problem. pretty fun. <laughs> Portugal is another option because of Andre Silva. I, for one, find myself very much in the Portugal bandwagon because I like Andre Silva, especially since he has the endorsement of Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be there. Eder is not going to be there. I also, you know, it's hard not to like Bernardo Silva. He's a very likable player. So my selection out of these teams is Portugal for me. But it because, you know, Andre Silva is bound to have a good tournament, I think, just because he is a beast for Portugal. I mean, I've always we always talk about him on here, how we want to see more from him in a Melantra. And we've seen those glimpses of what he's capable of. And obviously, we've thrown that Ronaldo quote out several times about how he's the future and how he's going to be this big star. So we get really excited that he's Cristiano Ronaldo endorsed. And now he has a chance to be playing alongside him. I mean, if, you know, past tournaments, it feels like Ronaldo's had to put Portugal on his shoulders. And obviously, it was such a great story at Euro 2016 when he goes down in the final and the rest of the team carries on. And somehow, some way, France didn't win that game. But now going forward, Ronaldo has Andre Silva next to him. Um, he's got a little experience there with Ricardo Caresma, and who doesn't love the occasional Caresma outside of the foot shot that probably won't happen at this World Cup? But I'm I'm with you. I think if there's a Milan influenced team that I would pull for, it would be Portugal for Andre Silva and the other reasons to like them. I mean, I'm a huge Cristiano Ronaldo fan. I love watching Bernardo Silva. Um, I mean. Yeah, that's that's the team I would go with, too. Next up is Spain, which is actually in the same group as Portugal. That's going to be fun. That's going to be one of the best games of the group stage. I'm really looking forward to that. That is that is highlighted in my calendar as like one of the must-watch group stage games. But the reason Spain is on the list is for Pepe Reina, who is a new signing of Milan. He isn't officially on their website and I don't think he's been officially announced, but he we know that he's coming. The reason that I'm having a hard time kind of pulling for Spain is I've like Pepe Reina, like Strinich, literally has never played for AC Milan. You know, if you want to go that angle, it's hard to really for me to dive into Spain as my as the pick. Also, they left Suso at home. I thought I was going to be talking about Spain because of Suso, uh, but he did not get the call. So, you know, Spain or Portugal, I'm going to go Portugal. But, you know, Pepe Reina is a reason that you can use to root for Spain if you so desire. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to root for who they want to root for. I, I can't believe Spain didn't bring Suso in. But then again, this is a Spain team that's got some issues on it. I mean... I, I think that they're going to be done in by their lack of a real number nine or a clinical number nine. Uh, you know, Diego Costa's there, but, you know, what's he really done for Spain? And, you know, we don't really have anything to go off of except his failures at 
when it counts for them ever since he made the switch from Brazil. They did it in 2010, obviously, without a real number nine. I mean, well, they had David Villa there, but it was the way they played was still kind of weird for me. I I don't like it, and I think that now they just they don't have the pieces around guys like Iniesta and David Silva who are going to be able to help them get over the line. I still have them going far, and I'll get to that later. I just don't see it for them. And I think that just because Pepe Reina's on the team isn't a reason for a Milan fan to pull for them. I agree with you. Like, I think Spain will be fun to watch, but if I'm rooting for Spain in a game, it's not because of Pepe Reina. If I root for Portugal, though, it might very well be because of Andre Silva and I will be actively pulling for him. The last AC Milan influenced team is Switzerland because of Ricardo Rodriguez. He is their starting left back. And he scored against Spain yesterday. Yeah, and he's their penalty kick taker. He, I believe, put them through into the World Cup with a penalty kick. Uh, He scored that winning goal. So, you know, Switzerland is in an interesting group because they have Brazil in their group, uh, as well as Costa Rica. I think, and, you know, we'll get our full predictions. I think they'll get out of the group, but I don't think they get anywhere further than that. They're one of those teams that's high in the FIFA rankings because they don't play friendlies against anybody, so they don't lose against anybody. Just like Wales, where they end up super high because they've figured it out, and now, of course, the Nations League is going to change that. But um, you have Switzerland with Ricardo Rodriguez if you want one of those kind of oddball teams like I don't really know anyone who's saying oh go Switzerland but you know here we are they're they're the last like AC Milan player team um and I'll root for Ricardo Rodriguez but I don't think I'm going to watch a lot of Switzerland games I just I just don't yeah no Switzerland is not a team to get excited about I mean they're they're what number six in the world the way the United States were number four in the world in 2006 going into the World Cup I just, they're not really excitable. Uh, I've tended to cheer them on in years past because I've always really wanted Ricardo Rodriguez at Milan. I've been a big fan of his. There's a couple other guys to like on that team. It's just, they do have a favorable group for them. I don't see any way they don't get through with Serbia and Costa Rica in there too, but I mean, Brazil is going to be too much for them. By effect, they're probably... I mean, I, I would imagine we both have them finishing second, and that means they're probably setting up for a date with Germany, and that's just not going to be fun for them. So, yeah, it's just going to be, you know, if you want to root for Ricardo Rodriguez in Switzerland, you can have a nice passing glance at them. They'll they'll look pretty good against Serbia and Costa Rica, but that's going to be about it. I Again, I'm going with Portugal. I really like Andre Silva. I think he's going to have a great tournament. Obviously, he's one of those players that is rumored to be out the door. I think they're keeping him. I think that's what I read, that they're going to keep him after all. But if they were going to sell him, you should wait till after the World Cup because then it'll have that price boost of when he scores, like, you know, six goals or whatever, um, because he's one of their go-to guys. He is the second guy on that team behind Ronaldo. So, you know, pretty, that's my pick. I know that Portugal 
won pretty ugly in the Euros. And I know people didn't like the anti-soccer that they ended up playing, but that's okay. I also really, really dig the Portugal training kits with the cross on them. I, I dig it. I think they should use the cross design on all of their kits because what was it from Euro 2012 with the red and green on the white kit is one of my favorite all-time jerseys. But uh, yeah, so they're, they're my team that I've adopted um, aside from Iceland uh, because Iceland. Um, so having said that, let's get into our our predictions, our group by group preview. Uh, we don't have, you know, it's it's not like we've studied deep into every single team in the World Cup, but we we were talking about our predictions a little bit, and I think we have similar choices. Group A is Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay, which is, you know, you could say this is the group of death because it's just a terrible group. Um, I don't like this group at all. The host nation, Russia, got a super easy draw. They are a weak host, and they got a super easy draw. Egypt has Mo Salah, yes, but he's also coming back from an injury. Uh, I know it's his shoulder, but still. I want Mo Salah to do well, but I don't think that Egypt is going to be able to solely ride Mo Salah into the knockout rounds. And that is why I have Uruguay 1, Russia 2. And then I have Egypt 3 and Saudi Arabia, I think is going to end with a solid zero points. And I think they are going to, yeah, they, they are going to get absolutely wrecked. I think the Russia thing is very much like a home field advantage thing. Um, they're a very weak host, but I do think they just make it to the knockout round. It's just kind of out of luck. Maybe a little, maybe a little uh, Putin magic. I don't know, <laughs> but I do think Uruguay is winning the group. I also have Uruguay winning the group. I think that's just a uh, I mean, I don't want to call it a foregone conclusion, but I mean, in that group, it's pretty safe to say. I went Egypt too. Call it a Mohamed Salah bias, but I, I, I think that they can do it. Especially as you've said, Russia is such a weak host, and that's why I have them. I have them beating Russia one nil, and that is the difference in the group. I have Uruguay on seven points, Egypt on six, Russia on four, and then Saudi Arabia. One of two teams I have in this World Cup not getting a single point. They are in for a bad time. They're one of the teams that you can look at and kind of be like, okay, so Italy's out, but Saudi Arabia's in. Like, really? And I know that the format, like, that's just how it goes. But you could make the case that, like, so you're telling me that the U.S., Netherlands, Ghana, Italy, and Ivory Coast are all sitting at home Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia is one of the teams in there. Um, Tunisia is another one of those teams that, you know, you could very well say like, okay, like, do they really, really? We're going to have to watch someone beat up on, you know, Saudi Arabia and Tunisia. But um, I think also Saudi Arabia got lucky because they have 
again, a weak group. It's it's just I am not watching the World Cup for Group A. Let's just say that. I am I'm actually kind of happy that I'm going to be driving home from Canada on the day of the first match. Going up to I'm driving up to go see Montreal play Orlando City on MLS on a Wednesday night. And that to me is more exciting than Russia, Saudi Arabia at the World Cup. Fun fact, one of our hosts at uh, SiriusXMFC, Tony Miola, is one of the Fox broadcasters, and he and JP Della Camera are calling the opening match, Russia-Saudi Arabia. And we were like, wow, that is a tough game to study for. And, you know, he's he's going to be ready because he's been, you know, he's a, he's a hard worker for this kind of stuff. Yeah. But Tony's fantastic. He's a beast. But Russia-Saudi Arabia, what a barn burner of a first game you get to call and you get the opening game um but you know good luck to him he'll do great but Absolutely. russia saudi arabia like i i will be watching more for the host than anything else so um group b on the other hand is something i'm very excited for uh it's portugal spain morocco and iran um, and I am not excited about Iran versus Morocco because that is a disaster. That is just an awful game. <laughs> and, you know, don't even get me started on the whole like Morocco World Cup bid thing because that's going to be a disaster. Iran is another one of those really rough teams that is just, I mean, they and Morocco could easily be last in any other group but one of them is going to be third i have spain portugal morocco iran um but i think morocco and iran are going to i mean they're both losing to portugal and spain so it's just what they do against each other um but spain portugal huge i am really excited for that yeah i think that game is going to be fantastic and i've got the same order as you I admittedly, as I was doing this, I felt a little crazy and I have an around Portugal 1-1 draw. So I think Spain sweeps the group with nine points and I think Portugal gets through on four. Iran and Morocco just don't have enough. I just think back to um, 2014 when Iran gave Argentina a heck of a fight and they actually made things pretty fun in that group. And... You know, I just felt a little adventurous and think that Portugal has a propensity to, as we talked about, play some negative football. Um, and to go back to that real quick, if you're listening to this podcast and the reason you wouldn't root for Portugal is their negative football, you're a Milan fan, you're an Italian football fan, Catenaccio forever, you have no right to complain. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll accept it. Yeah, that's a so, good point. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> if you're a Manchester United fan and you are not willing to root for Portugal because of the anti-football and you support Jose Mourinho, you can get out of my mentions right now. That's Manchester United, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Porto, and Inter. Anyone who has employed Jose Mourinho, that's for you. You subscribe to that thought. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this group... For as exciting as that first game between Portugal and Spain, that Iberian Derby is going to be, I think that it's pretty straightforward. Spain, Portugal, or Morocco in that order. I think that's 
there's not really anything crazy that's going to happen in this group that throws everything upside down. It's also interesting because Portugal, I think, is one of those teams that got hosed by the FIFA rankings and by Russia being host because Portugal easily would have been first seeded in another group. Like they would be first seed in Group A and a Group A with, let's say, Uruguay and Portugal, then I'm interested. But, you know, Portugal managed to get Portugal got they were hoping to get Russia and they got Spain uh, because Portugal was the one team pushed out by Russia. So they were hoping let's get Russia and we can top our group. Well, you got Spain instead. That's not great. Group C, um, and also one of the things about the draw now is that it's more rankings-based, I believe. So I feel like a lot of these groups are very straightforward, but maybe that's just me. France, Denmark, Australia, Peru. Uh, France is sweeping this group, and Denmark I have in second uh, because they have a couple talented players, primarily Ericsson. You have Australia, who can give some teams problems, but, I mean, really? And then you have Peru, who just made it to their first World Cup in, what, 30 years or something? So, I mean, I'm, I'm going with France. They're a super strong team. They're going to use their Australia and Peru games as tune-up games for the knockout rounds, and they're going to absolutely blow by them. Um, France coasts through. I have France on nine points. I have Denmark getting through, followed by Australia and Peru. That said, I I agree. Denmark should get through. I'm not ruling out the possibility that they don't. And I think that this group is interesting to me because I think Australia and Peru don't have enough, but at the same time, they could turn it on and one of them could trip Denmark up and make this an interesting group to watch. I also think that this group has one of the best stories in the World Cup, and that's Paulo Guerrero being able to play for Peru. I think that is the coolest thing for, I mean, we've all seen for months how excited Peruvian fans are about being back in the World Cup. And I mean, there's a lot of them in American soccer Twitter that we follow, I'm sure, that we both follow, that we talk to a lot. I know a couple of Peruvian fans at work that are going absolutely nuts. Uh, and to have Guerrero cleared to play after that whole saga is ex- just incredibly exciting, especially with the support of the captains of France, Denmark, and Australia, who all co-signed a letter calling for him to be able to play in this tournament. I think that's just that's one of the greatest things about football. That's one of the great things about the World Cup. And I think even if this group ends up being extremely straightforward, that's something to be celebrated. Yeah, and I will pull for Peru, um, likely very unsuccessfully, um, because, you know, when they go up against France, I mean, it's David and Goliath here. Like, it's, it's going to be really rough for them. Group D, I think, is one of the more interesting groups in a fun way, instead of interesting in like, oh my god, someone has to win this group, Group A. Um, Argentina, Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria. I read them in that order because that's the order I have them in. I have Argentina going 
out, they do not finish with nine points um, because Croatia is, again, a pretty solid team. Their weakness, of course, is in the back. Their strength is in the midfield. Uh, I have Argentina winning. I have Croatia second. Um, Iceland, unfortunately, is not going to be able to recreate their Euro uh, 2016 magic. And Nigeria, I just think, end up falling short uh, to Iceland. So that that's how I have that. Even though Gilfie Sigurdsson hasn't had a good year, um, I I I think Iceland finished third. But that's that's all I got for them. So this to me is, I think, the one that would qualify as the group of death. And I mean, I it's weird because it's not as big a group of death as we've seen in the past. It's it's still a very fun group, and this is where we start to not mirror each other because I just have this feeling about Argentina. I have no confidence in Argentina whatsoever, despite the names, despite Messi, despite everything. I have Croatia finishing ahead of them on seven points. And so I have Croatia and Argentina drawing one, one in that second game. So I'll, I have Croatia, Argentina, Iceland, Nigeria, and Nigeria. I feel is super hit or miss in every major tournament there you just never know what you're going to get from one 90 minute match to another and i think in this tournament we're going to see that in a big way because i have them getting wrecked by croatia i have iceland beating them but then i have them turning it on in that last game knowing they're on their way home and let's just mess everything up and they draw argentina so that would give Cro- i have croatia 7 argentina 5 I just have this feeling that they're going to stumble. They tend to always stumble, and it's going to be early this year. And that's going to be really unfortunate for them. It sets them up for a match with France in the last 16. So I'll get to that later. But Argentina could have a lot of questions to answer after this tournament again. That really is interesting, especially because um, our AC Milan offside staff was talking about this earlier because uh, we were all asked for some World Cup predictions, look out for that article on our site. And someone has Argentina winning it. So in one case, you have Argentina second in a group. And in the other case, you have Argentina winning the whole thing. That is how kind of back and forth the thoughts on Argentina are. Uh, of course, their weaknesses in defense. Uh, they're so stacked up front, they can afford to not bring Mauro Icardi. Um, their midfield is, you know, Argentina is that team you play with in FIFA for the attack. Like, you know, in FIFA where it has the little breakdown, like offense, midfield, defense, and it's just like 87 offense. And then it's like 74 defense. Like, yeah, that that's pretty much it. So they are going to live and die by Lionel Messi as they have this entire cycle and I mean I have them going out later they're going to ride him as hard as they can and as far as they can but I mean they're going to run out of luck eventually um group E Brazil Switzerland Costa Rica Serbia is what I got Brazil is probably going undefeated in this group yeah Switzerland I have going through essentially by the skin of their teeth and Costa Rica is going to just fall short. And then there's Serbia who is 
probably not going to win a game. I'll give them maybe a draw, but they're, I mean, they're not going to win. Not against Brazil. And I think Costa Rica is a better team than them. And then there's Switzerland, which is going to be the most meh, well, I guess second most meh, because Russia, second place finishers. So, I mean, Switzerland is very much a lackluster team, but Costa Rica, I don't think is much to write home about, and, and then there's Serbia. So, I mean, Brazil is going to have a lot of fun in this group. Yeah, I've got Brazil nine points plus nine goal difference. They're going to be – this. we started talking about it earlier with Ricardo Rodriguez. This is a pretty straightforward group. Um, Brazil's just going to house everybody. Switzerland's going to get through because Serbia and Costa Rica are nowhere near as good. I – don't think it's going to be as close. I think Switzerland beats both Serbia and Costa Rica, gets six points. Uh, and then you know, Costa Rica, I I like them a lot, as you know, Conca Calf Love. But I just think that they're gonna they're really gonna struggle at this tournament. Um, Serbia the same, but it's gonna be I think they'll play to a draw against each other, so they'll each walk away with a point. Just I mean, I think that's the only part where we would argue is Serbia or Costa Rica. On top of the other, I have I have Serbia ahead of them on goal difference. That's the only I, I just I don't know. I think the only the only saving grace for Costa Rica is Kalor Navas. I I mean they're they're probably gonna play five in the back. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, but it's not gonna be helpful for them. Um, this isn't they're not playing the United States. They can't just get out and run against them. I guess, but. Uh, that's uh, that game is forever seared into my brain as I sat there just watching it happen to us. But well, they also can't ride Concacaf refs. You can't Concacaf someone that's in the World true. Cup. So uh, Mark well, okay, yeah, going, Jair but... Marufo's going. So yeah, that's we'll see. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Group F: Germany, Mexico, Sweden, South Korea. Again, I think this is straightforward. I Mexico is better, I think, than Sweden. Uh, Germany is obviously better than all of them. Uh, Germany could get tripped up by maybe Mexico, but Mexico got a rough draw. They have to deal with Germany, and they're not going to finish above them. Uh, I have Germany 1, Mexico 2. Yeah, I have Germany, Mexico, Sweden, South Korea. Um, I just, you always expect Mexico to get out of the group, but we talk about this on the podcast that I produce at ESPN, the Max and Herc podcast, the famous El Quinto Partido, the fifth game. And I mean, we'll get to that in the knockout stage, but there's just, there's always something about Mexico where there's reason to be excited about them. They're CONCACAF's darlings, but when it comes to the world cup, they just, there's always something missing and I can't really put my finger on it this time, but they're nowhere near as good as Germany. Sweden got through because Italy were absolutely horrendous. The cycle and there's South Korea who, yeah, they've got their Tottenham star and son, but again, like it's a classic South Korea team where you're kind of riding that, one or two stars and you're not going to go anywhere with it. So I think this is second place is between Mexico and Sweden. And I have Mexico convincingly getting into the last 16, but Germany again, is just gonna, they're, 
they're Daimon Shaft for a reason. They're gonna just destroy everybody. If you can afford to leave Leroy Sané at home, and you're still World Cup favorites, that I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty wild. And Sweden honestly reminds me of Switzerland. Like, really, nothing to speak of. Uh, the difference is that Sweden uh, has a harder group, in my opinion. Group G, Belgium, England, Panama, Tunisia. Tunisia is finishing with zero points. Panama is going to get its only points against Tunisia. Um, and Belgium is going to win every game. Um, Belgium won England two, And that's just going to be the start of some uh, interesting times for uh, England fans. I think we have the exact same thing here. I have Belgium on nine points, England six, Panama three, Tunisia zero. Yeah, I think that, it's hard to go otherwise, honestly. Yeah, I think that this might be as straightforward as it gets in this entire list. Um, look, I mean, Belgium, England, that final day, that final day game. I've got Belgium winning two one. I mean, England is a good team, but I found something really interesting today. Um, I believe it was Nick Harris tweeted out a graph. And it showed... Oh, is this the average ages of the squads? The average age along with the the caps. And the reading you get from the graph is that England is both the youngest and the least capped team at this tournament. They have the least experience. Now, obviously, you look at the names and you look at who's actually being talked about here. There's some unbelievable talent there. But... I just I don't see them having enough to win this group. Belgium, I think, has this massive chip on their shoulder. What are Roberto Martinez and Thierry Henry going to be able to do with the squad? Uh, they have the stars that are capable of carrying them through this group with no problem. And then for both these teams, I think the big story for them comes in the knockout stage. What are they capable of doing once they take care of business against Panama and Tunisia once they settle the score against each other because both of them, no matter whether they win the group or finish second, have a lot to prove when it comes down to the elimination. It's really interesting that these two, Belgium and England, because how how long ago was it that Belgium was being talked about that they are, you know, World Cup champions like loading? After they got past the U.S. and then got eliminated it was like okay next time is belgium's year for me it almost feels like okay but wh- where is that now right like obviously they have lukaku they have de bruyne and they have hazard and maybe i'm not giving them enough credit but um i'll i mean i'll end up telling you where i think they end up going out but i don't get the same feeling about belgium like I don't think they're favorites, and I think England is going to end up just bowing out in the knockout rounds, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, the last group is Colombia, Poland, Senegal, Japan. I have them in that order. Of course, I'm reading uh, off my picks instead of off the groups, so that's why I read them in that order. So Colombia one, Poland two, Senegal three and Japan for not a lot to say about Japan or Senegal. Uh, Poland, you know, the, it's it's Lewandowski or die for me. Um, and Colombia 
you know, I don't think this is a particularly strong group because I feel like Colombia and Poland are both second place group quality teams against Senegal and Japan, which are both third or fourth quality teams. So, you know, I think it's like Colombia has more star power than Poland has. I think they're a better team. Um, so I'm going with Colombia and Poland. I have the same order, Colombia, Poland, Senegal, Japan. I think it's going to be interesting between Columbia, uh, Poland and Senegal for that second place spot. I think Poland nips it by one point. I just I think that Senegal has a couple of really exciting players that are going to be able to do some fun things at this World Cup. Um, Got to point out, Umbai Niang is on their squad. So that's uh, that's fun for us Milan folks. Um, also representing Syria, Alfred Gomez, the uh, small goalkeeper. Don't really expect to see him much. But uh, Khalidou Koulibaly, also the Napoli defender, who could be on the move this summer. I guess we'll see after the World Cup if he has a good one. Uh, a couple other guys to really enjoy on this team as someone who calls himself an Everton fan because he wants a rooting interest in the Premier League. Idrissa Gay is one of my favorite players. I think he's a brilliant holding player in the midfield. Um, obviously, like Sheku Kiate, uh, Sadio Mane leading leading the attack, and another player up front that will be familiar to Serie A fans, to Milan fans, Keita Balde. So there's, there's reasons to be interested in, in Senegal. I think that they have a chance to really challenge to make it to the knockouts. I think that they have the best chance of any African team to really make some noise in this tournament. I just think that Poland has experience enough and Lewandowski leading the charge. They're going to be able to just get by them. I think it's four points to three in favor of Poland, but it's going to be a tricky one. They play each other right out the gate too. So I have that match ending in a draw. If one of them can get a win in that game, I think that really sets the tone for the rest of the group stage. Yeah, that might be an interesting development. You know, we might be talking about Senegal, like, knocking out Poland, and Poland not making it. But on to the round of 16. So this is where you and I start to differ, mainly because of that Croatia and Argentina pick. So I have Portugal versus Uruguay. I'm picking Portugal. Uh, France over Croatia. Brazil over Mexico, Belgium over Poland, Spain over Russia, and that's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Argentina over Denmark, close. Um, That's going to be one of the scares for Argentina, I think. Germany over Switzerland, bloodbath. And England over Colombia, close. Ooh, we do have some shakeup here. So I have Uruguay over Portugal. I... I think that that's about where Portugal should go out. Uh, France over Argentina, uh, Brazil over Mexico, Belgium over Poland, Spain over Egypt, also a bloodbath. Croatia over Denmark. I agree that'll that Croatia game will be fun, or that Denmark game, I should say, because you have Argentina, Denmark, I believe. Uh, Germany over Switzerland is 
I'm just going to sound horrible here. Germany is going to make that defense look like Swiss cheese. It's gonna be, wow. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I can't, I can't help myself. I was um, going to say it's going to be like seven, one again. And then you put yeah, the Swiss oh. cheese joke on me. I'm like, I have no idea what to say uh, anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Had to. And then I have Colombia over Ooh. England. Cause I, I think that we're going to have some major, major questions to ask of England come about the first week of july i think that's going to be a lot of fun that's, to just see how the media meltdown is going to be hilarious oh everywhere gareth southgate's gonna people are going to be calling for his head to be on a spike above buckingham palace um harry kane as captain i, I love harry kane but i mean what's going to happen to him i think that's going to be maybe when i was making this pick i was thinking about the storylines and what comes next and my love for schadenfreude but we'll see i i think that columbia team is good enough to get by them so your quarter finalists are who i have france uruguay brazil belgium spain croatia germany and colombia okay so i have france portugal brazil belgium spain argentina germany england so, who are your winners in the quarterfinals? My quarterfinal winners, I have France beating Uruguay. I have Brazil beating Belgium. Spain beating Croatia. And Germany beating Colombia. I have France over Portugal. Brazil over Belgium. Spain over Argentina. And Germany over England. And that is going to be a bloodbath. And France-Portugal is going to be very close, I think, because that's that Euro 2016 thing. So you and I so you and I have the same semifinals. Right. We just took a very different way of getting there. Different ways. So France-Brazil and Spain-Germany. See, that's the semifinals that I want because I think those are the four best teams. I agree. And I think that the second tier of teams are... Portugal, Argentina, Belgium, England. So if that's how the quarterfinals and the semifinals shake up, I think that's the best way for it to go. Because honestly, in the semifinals, if it goes France and Brazil and Germany, Spain, one, that's awesome. Two, whoever wins, you can legitimately say like the best team won. Like I don't think in Euro 2016, the best team won. They just ended up pulling off the best tournament. Right. I, there was a lot of that in Euro 2016. I mean, with Wales, Iceland, there was a lot going on that probably shouldn't have gone on. Teams just fell over, and I, I agree. I think if you get to the semifinals and it's these four teams, you're talking about three World Cup finals to decide the World Cup winner. Which is awesome. And I think, yeah. I think that's the coolest thing. That's the best possible scenario in this tournament. And obviously, you know, everyone's going to be, oh, I want to see an underdog. You want to see a team go really far that probably shouldn't. Okay, they can get to the quarterfinals. This would be one of the greatest three-game events ever. And I would actually watch the third-place game. Oh, absolutely. Because whoever whoever loses, even that would be a good game, even though I am in the camp of the third-place game shouldn't exist. I agree with that completely. Because it's the most meaningless game in sports. So, in your semifinals, France-Brazil, who do you have? I take France. Okay, I also have France. So, who do you have in Germany-Spain? 
I am going with Germany to get back to the final. I also have Germany. This is where my questions about Spain come to fruition. I don't think, I mean, and obviously Germany being Germany, I just don't think that Spain have enough. And Brazil, I mean, they are going to be, I think they're going to be the most fun team to watch in this tournament. But this is where it comes undone for them. I think the midfield and the back line are going to, are going to kind of let them down in this situation. And there's only so much that Alisson's going to be able to do in net and Neymar and Coutinho and company up top. I just think that France is going to win that game in the middle of the park and take care of them. It's it's interesting when we when you talk about Spain. We at Sirius we had David Cartledge from ESPN on and he is based in Valencia. Uh, he covers all the Spanish teams. Um, he used to be for BN, now he's ESPN. And he was talking about Spain, and he was very, very confident. Like, he said that anything less than a World Cup win is a failure for Spain. And he sees France, like, crashing out. Uh, he has no confidence in Deschamps, which I think is the weak link in France, is Deschamps. But... I already have them in the final in spite of him because look at how young they are and look at how talented they are. Just the sheer amount of talent is unbelievable. I think Spain just ends up running out of gas. I mean, they're an aging roster and I think they're just going to end up falling to a better team in Germany, just like what happened. I mean, shoot, when did Germany beat Spain last summer? It wasn't the Confederations. It was the U23 Euros. Germany over Spain in the final, where Germany swept all competitions last summer, including the Confederations Cup, because they basically have three starting quality good teams. Uh, I think that brings them to the final. So you have France-Germany. I have France-Germany. Who do you have winning? I have France winning the World Cup. I also have France winning the World Cup. Nice. So, yeah, see, that's that's really interesting because we were talking about this in uh, the staff chat that we have, and um, people were saying how the, uh, the weak link is Deschamps, and I've heard Dark Horse, quote-unquote, for France. I find that while. really interesting. I don't think they're a Dark Horse. I think they're a blatant favorite. Yeah, they're one of the top four teams in the World Cup, in my opinion. I've I've been thinking that they're gonna. I have convinced myself as we've gone, like as we've gotten closer and closer. The more I look at France, again, it's this kind of thing. Like you can leave Anthony Martial and Adrian Rabiot home, and you can still be absolutely stacked from top to bottom. They are a really good team, and the best part is. When Antoine Griezmann scores and gives the Fortnite L dance in the oh. World Cup final, that is because when he did it in the Europa League final, that was one of the coolest things is him doing it in front of the Atleti fans. Yeah. If he does that in the World Cup final, like I'm going to have that as my picture on Twitter. That's going <laughs> to be sure. so much fun. I also I like Antoine Griezmann. Um a lot like I think he's a very likable player and I just think France is going to end up I'm not even sure if they outplay Germany I think they just outperform 
Like, I think they might, like, have some real flashes where they just end up beating Germany. But it's it's going to be one of those 2-1, maybe 3-2 kind of things. Because, obviously, Germany is a hell of a team. So, it's, it's not going to be... They are going to be in every single game they play. I think this has a chance to be an all-time World Cup final. Uh, I just... I think back on the last couple, and obviously the last few going back to 2006. Um, I 2006 was brilliant, but a lot of extra time, but a lot of not necessarily negative play. You know, you're in a final. Everyone's trying not to mess up. But I think these two teams are so strong, so good. that It's going to be back and forth. I think they're both going to, like, they're so good that neither is going to make the other play bad. They're just, it's going to be an exciting game back and forth, and it's going to be who gets the last roll of the dice, who, like, who delivers last. And I think they're just going to be neck and neck the entire time. And I think it's going to be, like you said, I think, you know, Griezmann scoring a winner. I, I'm not going to lie, I have Olivier Giroud as my favorite for the Golden Boot. And I'll tell you what, if you're in a place where you can make a bet, and I just, I, oh, if the Supreme Court ruling had come a little bit sooner. And I could just drive down to one of the Connecticut casinos. Olivier Giroud is going off at forty to one. Ooh. I think that that is a sweet spot bet. That is I a mean, money you, bet. I mean, yeah, you can you can say Neymar, you can say Griezmann, you can say, I mean, even Timo Werner. I guess he's going to be the starter up front for Germany. But Deschamps loves Giroud, and Giroud has done really well for France. And I just. I think Griezmann is going to be the best player. I have Griezmann winning the golden ball, but I think he's going to find Giroud a lot. And I think that if if I had if I had a chance to put fifty dollars on a forty to one odds Giroud golden boot, worst case I'm out fifty bucks, but best case I'm rolling in student loan payments and write about Giroud. So hey. I I'm just so tempted to find a place to put that down. But if you're in a place where you can. I don't know if I can tell you that you should, but think about it. But that is something that exists, which could yes. be beneficial. And look, we've been talking about Deschamps being possibility, possibly a detriment on this team. I, I think it's a bit overblown. I know there's been a lot of controversies with the French national team lately. Um, I mean, obviously, Benzema's not getting in as long as Deschamps is the coach. Uh, now this Rabiot thing. Uh, but he's... I think he's got the best team back to front in this tournament. I think he's got probably more options than some of these other these other really good teams that are going to go really far. And so I just think that they're going to have they have the talent, the experience, and the stamina to just take this thing home and finish what they started in 2016 because that, that European tournament is going to be sticking in the back of their heads. So... I, I just I see them having just enough to get past Germany. I, I think they have definitely the talent level. I mean, you know, you go from Griezmann to Mbappe, Dembele, Pogba. You know, Pogba, I think, is going to have a good tournament. I, I just think that they are the ones that can outplay Germany. I also am not really sure I want to see a Brazil-Germany final because in that case, I'm not sure Brazil get revenge for 7-1. And I don't want to see a bloodbath in the World Cup final. So 
that being said, we have one more thing to talk about, and it's the World Cup song. <laughs> it's, or songs, I guess. Apparently there are six. There's a Morocco team song. There's one that has Pitbull in it. Uh, there's one that I can't even pronounce the last name. There's one that's a Telemundo song. There's the Coca-Cola song. That's Jason Derulo. Uh, and there's Live It Up, which is the the one that has Will Smith in it. Did you get a chance to listen to it? And what do you think? I started listening to it. Uh-oh. Is I guess the best I could say. Because I wanted to give it a chance. You know, everything nowadays. Oh, just give it a chance. Give it a chance. I just couldn't get into it. I can't. I've never been a fan of Will Smith's music. I just, every time I start a song, I just think of like Wild Wild West. And I just can't do it. So I started listening to it and I'm just like, man, like I need, I need to be taken back to 2010. I need to be taken back to, you know, Waka Waka and Waving Flag. And I just, nothing else is going to work for me. I this this didn't I don't even know who Nikki Jam and Era Streffy are to be honest and Diplo uh people can be as mad at me as they want that's not really my kind of music I that is something that I would give a chance though but yeah this song I just started it and I was it was at a point where I was starting it was as the world cup was getting close And it started to hit me again that the U.S. weren't going to be there. So I was kind of just in this, like, super emo, like, what's the point of any of this situation? And Live It Up came on. I'm just like, nope, sorry. I gave you a minute of my time. You have to go. I I can dig it. See, the thing about this song, I, I listened to it when it came out. And I was like, okay. I'm not really a big fan of the Estreffi part. And Nicky Jam is like a rapper. I'm not really with his part either, but I dig Will Smith's part. Um, and I like like the background beat to it because I do like that Diplo kind of music. Um, I listen to the EDM channel on Sirius uh, all the time and like I dig it, but... It, this is not my kind of music. So then I checked out the Jason Derulo song and I'm not like, I'm not against Derulo, but the song is very much just like, it's, it's very much a Jason Derulo song. Like what's the song want you to, or want to want me. It's, it's very much similar to that song, which there's actually a Wikipedia page that is World FIFA World Cup Anthems and Songs, which is hilarious that this exists. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine songs for Brazil. One of them is the We Are One, like that's the Pitbull with J-Lo, um, which is the only one I've heard. And that, I mean, it was, it's all right. Like if you don't like Pitbull, you're not going to like it. If you like Pitbull, you'll like it. Um, South Africa in 2010 had the waving flag and the Spanish waving flag, which is my jam. And it had Waka Waka, which um, Shakira almost always has my approval. You know, you go back to where is the Ricky Martin one? Here it is. It's 98 in France. Uh, Yeah, the Cup of Life song. Yeah, that's good. 
Um, and then for some reason, it has We Are the Champions listed as 94. I was going to point that out. That is incredible. I didn't know. We Are the Champions was definitely... 1977. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, no way it was We Are the Champions <laughs> for the World Cup. Like, that's not... But I do appreciate that it has, like, you know, the Italy World Cup had one. You know, the Argentina World Cup had one. You know, a couple of these until you get to ninety-eight. So you can you can tell where the money starts coming in to play, and it's ninety-eight when they start becoming four. Um, but you know, I dig the Ricky Martin one. Uh, I dig the the waving flag and Waka Waka, and I can I can go with the Pitbull one from Brazil. I would not be putting Live It Up or Colors like into my music library. Like I, I won't be going out of my way for that. Uh, I, I dig Will Smith's part. That's the only part that I'm down with. I will say this. like If those songs came on while I was in the gym or whatever, I wouldn't skip them, but I wouldn't be super into it, I guess is the best I can put it. Yeah. I, I can go along with that. Oh my god, there's another page for European Championship anthems and songs? No. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I, I don't even recognize any of these. Oh, okay, never mind. Oh, the, the France one was by David Guetta. Ah, uh, okay. Um, That was the one that ESPN used, and it's in and out. Okay, well, that, I mean, I didn't even listen to that a lot. Um, But, I mean, now that we've gotten the World Cup song out of the way, we are ready to roll for the World Cup. Um, but of course, both of us having the same semifinal and the same final and the same winner, uh, it'll be really interesting to see um, how this works out. Hopefully, you know, the day before the World Cup, we have something to celebrate because the day before the World Cup is when they announce Cutter 2026. Mm. Or, excuse me, no, is when they announce World Cup 2026. Cutter is 2020. Mm. 2022 2022 yeah i'm getting my i'm getting my maths mixed up yeah 2026 is either united states canada mexico or morocco Mm. and that's a whole another can of worms a large can of worms a large yes um and uh let's just say I, I don't have the best feeling about this because did you see what real quick did you see what gianni infantino said I probably did my best to ignore it. <laughs> he basically, he was like, we can afford whatever the FIFA Congress decides. Money is an element, but it's not the only element. And I was like, I'm pretty <sighs> sure money was the only element that got Cutter the World Cup in 2022. And Russia this year. And Russia. So and like, so now, now money isn't the only factor. Right. 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 So now they're coming up with excuse. I don't know. The... Uh, there's also the voting is very like sketchy so it's like the votes are public but every single nation gets a vote now instead of just the council and you get four choices okay you get united bid morocco abstain for whatever reason or neither and if neither gets more votes then the United bid and the Morocco bid combined, both the bids are eliminated 
can't rebid and the bidding <laughs> process for 2026 starts over and can't include Morocco or the United States. Ah, good times. I love FIFA. I am really hoping that we don't have to continue and just like, all right, United States, Mexico, Canada. And now here we go with the World Cup. Like, let's just hope that we have good news instead of whatever the hell is probably going to happen. And I'm just at this point, I am braced to be um, not only surprised, but disappointed. Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm super cynical. And I, I just, I saw today that Comnibal is not even going to entertain the pitch from Morocco. Like they're not even going to sit down and listen to him. And all I could think was, woo, 10 votes. Yeah, true, true. Um, all the, the thing is we need Europe. We need Europe because that's, that's one, like the biggest one, um, in terms of votes and influence. And two, Morocco is pretty much trying to sell Europe on it because of the time zone and the distance and all that other stuff. So, I mean, it's good thing. We're super chill with Europe right good, now. Yeah. Good thing. European countries <laughs> like us right now. You know, uh, we're, uh, we're going to go down a slope. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll have my opinions. I'll tweet. I'll be, I'll be vocal. Probably. It's definitely it's going to be, a very interesting time. Um, but I think we can all hopefully just sit and enjoy the World Cup. Uh, we will have some podcasts going on during the World Cup. Um, those will not be like super duper analyzing the World Cup. Uh, I, I hope that we will get to talk about the World Cup and that we aren't talking about like our club like falling to shreds. Um but we will be talking about the World Cup. Hopefully, we have some goals to speak of from Andre Silva, Kajanic, uh, even Rodriguez, etc. So I'm really looking forward to it. Every day, it just gets more and more, more and more hype. So on that note, uh, thank you for listening to the AC Milan offside. The Devil Wears Ross and Arrow. Uh, again, I'm Patrick Stoll. You can follow me on Twitter at Stoll underscore P. And uh, he's Tim Fontenot, and his Twitter handle is at Tim underscore Fontenot. Uh, you can find all of our work, uh, as usual, on acmilan.theoffside.com. Thanks a lot for listening. And, uh, of course, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, if you have not, rate the podcast, please. That helps us a lot. Um, and, yeah, check us out on Twitter and on our website and uh for tim and for the staff of the ac milan offside i'm patrick we'll see you next time